Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Doris, I prefer to think of it Dear John and Hank. Well, hold on, my mic stand is weird. What the oh, heck? God. There's all, it's always something with this guy. You know, some of us come to the podcast week after week after week, except no, for we, missing we three weeks in that. a row, we can't, and we're music completely playing. prepared. You can't do that. I he thought I was, but I adjusted something. Hello and welcome to Dear Hank and John. I'm not doing it again. You did never say your part, though. I did. Not only did I say it, you missed my amazing joke where I said, some people come to this podcast week after week after week prepared, except for the last three weeks when they weren't here. <laughs> that's a great joke. That was a great joke. And, and well, I, I was trying bit... to fix this. I was trying to do the intro. There was a lot going on. Okay. But now the music's over. And John, yeah. I would like to tell you a fact. Okay. Which is that the name Lance isn't very common these days. It's not. But back in the Middle Ages, they uh-huh. used the name Lancelot. Oh. Mm. Yes. Mm. 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 You know what I think is funny about Sir Lancelot? And I just realized this, you know, like 45 years into my life. Yeah. They called him Sir Lancelot because he used his lance, his lance a lot. a lot. He yeah. was always using the lance because he was such a good knight. And he was ergo, a good lance he, guy. Or maybe his like grandpa was really good at it's using true. the lance. And that's how he got the him. surname Lancelot. But at, uh-huh, any, at any rate, nepo, somewhere. Nepotism there. God, Sir Lancelot is a classic Nepo baby. But somewhere, <laughs> if you dig back deep enough, there was somebody and all the people yeah. in town was like, man. God, that Joey, guy cannot oh, put down his lance. <laughs> old Joey sure uses his Lancelot. Wait a second. Ah, we just stumbled that, onto something. Hey, what's up? Joey Lancelot. And he's like, oh, you don't do it that much. <laughs> it's like getting like, a nickname like in it, the mob. Joey. <laughs> yeah. If you don't do it that much, why do we call you Lancelot? Hey, Joey Lancelot. <laughs> Fine, but I'm getting better, though. I'm getting really good. If your nose isn't that big, why are we call, why, 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 why are we call you Johnny Big Nose? Because <laughs> my nose is so little. <laughs> well, that's the, other, that's the other possibility, right, is that it was ironic. Oh, yeah, he did Sir Lancelot. Yeah, he, yeah. He wasn't really they they call him the Sir Lance. Lancelot because he's always negotiating. 
I thought it was going to be because he like he liked to use a trebuchet. No, he's like, I'm not getting up no. close to those people. Yeah, he's always like, guys, let's just talk it out, okay? I mean, yeah. we don't need to. We don't need to let this come to violence. All right, Mister Lancelot. Like, oh God, Mister Lancelot over here will never let us use our lances. Got to be. Right. Yeah, they were really ironic back then. Um, oh God, they loved they loved an ironic surname. <laughs> you know, that's why they called that's why they called our ancestors green. Yeah, because they owned coal powered plants. No, it's because we're so bad at farming. Oh, I know. I, I know. Was... We must have been bad at farming because you should see me garden. I'm a catastrophe. It is something, it is a sight to behold your garden. Um, it is It is a lot of plants who are there, just like, you know, not supposed to be there, but really well taken no. care of. Yeah, just like I mean, some they're really big plants. They're who are technically not supposed weeds, to be there. but they're yeah. incredibly successful weeds. Yeah. And I, I, people are like, oh, it's bad for the pepper plants if they have to like fight it out with these really effective weeds. But I don't agree, man. I think I only who want knows? pepper plants that are strong enough to hold up to yeah. the reality of Indiana, which is that well, we're going to, we got a lot of weeds. That's, that's right, John. And really, it's about what I've learned is it's about whether what you say sounds right. It's so not true. whether it's true. So, and I That's think that true. it's like they'll get spicier if they have to work harder. That sounds right. That and sounds so it doesn't true. matter if, it, yeah, absolutely. Here's a question, Hank. It's from Ty who writes uh, Dear John and Hank, I was just thinking about the nothingness of space again. And then I thought about how uh, turning a rocket ship, would that be hard or easy? <laughs> like, if you needed to do a 180, you'd have to totally push against your speed. You probably need to take really wide turns to keep any type of speed up, right? I don't know. I'm going to bed. Turns all the way down, tie. Uh, it depends on what you mean by sp- look. There's what speed. Everything's relative to something else out there. Uh, but yeah, if you were like halfway somewhere and you were like, "We got to go back," it would be very bad. Um, probably impossible. Um, though, though I don't. Yeah, probably impossible. So yeah, the thing you have to do is like is just turn your engine off and then you're floating at the speed you're going in the direction you're going. And then you just flip your spacecraft around and then you just start firing your big engine in the other way and you're and then you have to do a bunch of uh you have to slow down from your current speed cuz you don't got any air to slow you down. There's no friction to slow you down and so you, you've got to blow mass out the back of your spaceship to to slow you down and then eventually wow you get back to zero and then you start working your way back up to moving actually toward the the place where you want to go so yeah with uh with space travel you really do want to know for sure where you're headed and uh that that is why they call it rocket science that's the hard part so so you don't actually take a a kind of like big turn you actually take no. the smallest turn possible. You just turn 180 degrees. Yeah, you'd want to just, yeah, like I mean, a, you could have your engine on the whole time you're flipping and then you'd kind of take a turn, but you don't have to. Right. Yeah. There's okay. no reason to. And then you would just try to get all of that mass going in the opposite direction, which would take a lot of energy, probably more than you have. Yeah. Uh, it's probably better to to just go where you're going um, and use yeah. like turn off your engine, get to where you're going, use the like the the atmosphere there to slow yourself down with some friction mm. and then mm. get yourself back. But I don't know, maybe not because you got to do the whole orbital injection thing and that's going to be a lot of work. It don't just, you want to just 
don't you want to just slingshot it though? Isn't that what they do in The Martian, there which is, is, I believe, is a documentary? There, I don't um, know if you just, yeah, you could definitely slingshot. Um, and if if you have an option to do a good slingshot, then that's great. But I don't know that you can usually. I don't think that you can slingshot back where you came from. I think that you slingshot. You can slingshot into a specific direction. But I don't know if you could do a whole 180 slingshot. You could. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, I, I, I don't know. I like it here. You know? It is simpler. Yeah. It's not just simpler, Hank. This is great. Earth is amazing. Like, sometimes I feel like we get out of touch with how stupidly good Earth is. There's a lot of exploring to do right from here. You know, you put a space yeah. telescope up there. It's doing its stuff. And we're like, For, oh, man, we can see forget the- about that. See the- the, the Forget about first unit that, galaxies. That exploring. No, man, there's a lot of exploring to be done within. It's true. Interior exploring, the depths within, the 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 acts to break the frozen sea within us, yes. as as Kafka put it. I did once, I did you know? recently sign off an email, what a time to be whatever it is we are, Hank. Uh, yeah. Because I don't know what to even think about us anymore. Uh, I was with a- uh, People talk about consciousness a, a lot right now because of AI, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is making me very uncomfortable. Yeah, because I'm not sure I have it. Yeah. You know? People are always like, have AIs achieved consciousness? And I'm like, have What's you? That? What's that? Have yeah. we figured that out like, yet? Like, have you thought hard about whether you've achieved consciousness? Because I'm just a moth flying to the light. Yeah. If I don't think you about know? it too hard, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm definitely conscious. I know exactly what that is. And then if you think about it too but hard. But then when I do start to think about mm, it, I'm like, oh, very, no. Yes. The only time, and, and, and to add to that, I would argue there are times when I'm not conscious. For sure. Like when I'm on TikTok, when I'm in TikTok, when yeah. I'm in the metaverse, uh-huh. I'm not conscious. I'm a, I'm a dolphin swimming through the water. Yeah. It feels, it feels good. It feels bad. I don't know what it feels like, but it feels like I'm just, yeah. just doing dolphin stuff. Yeah. I got my like sort of stamina for uh, do, do, uh, doing conscious work is... Not what it once was. I need some of that time where I just am scrolling now. And maybe this is a problem of uh, too much scrolling or maybe it's just getting old. But I I need that recharge. Uh, and boy, are there some companies out there who want me to have it. Oh, yeah. They will provide that service. Yeah, for sure. There's only a couple things they need. And one is the ability to change how you think and feel without you being aware of the change. <laughs> it's the main thing that they need to happen. That is, that is essentially their job. Hey, Hank, do fish get thirsty? This question comes from Riley, age eight, parentheses, practically nine. That sounds like a big uh, big birthday coming up there. I um, don't know because I am not and have What's- never been and will never be a fish. Uh, so this is, well, a, this is, that is presumptuous. Well, well, I kind of am a fish if we're talking well, about more important. Tax, you're, right. Taxonomy. You're a land fish. Yeah. You're a land fish that carries the water, the ocean around inside of you. But yeah. I, I'm saying that it's presumptuous because you don't know what you will be. It's true. Maybe I'll be a fish someday. I hadn't thought you about it. You have no idea. You could become a fish. Yeah. It's not. Are you kidding? Look at the rest of earth. This whole thing is nuts. Their crabs keep happening independent of other crabs. Yeah, I think fish might have, well, I guess not. But I bet look, whales took on a lot of the fish flavors. Uh, they figured out a lot of yeah. fishy ways to be. It's not the same. But, uh, you know, so maybe, maybe. What What is anything? 
what I'm saying is we don't know what like the subjective experiences of fish. We can't they can't tell us. We can't know. What we do know is that mostly fish don't have to think too much about drinking because they're always kind of drinking. And so probably mm. they're not thirsty. But there is a situation where either a saltwater fish will enter into sort of a more brackish area where there's some fresh water or a freshwater fish will enter into a more brackish area where there's some salt water. And in those situations, they do have to like carefully balance their salts and that's mm. really what drinking is. It's so mm-hmm. that you can have more ocean in you to carefully mm-hmm. to make sure your your salts are correctly balanced and they don't get yeah. too concentrated in your body. And you have an impulse to do that. And so in those situations where a fish is in, it's non like native, like it's not specialized for the salinity of the environment that it is then in. It has to do things physiologically. And so like its body will do things on its own, but also the fish might do like make, like make choices to do certain things um, because it is feeling an impulse to do that because its salt concentrations are wrong in its body, which to me probably means it's, and I, I hope that this is a good answer. It feels good to me. Uh, if it probably Great answer for an eight year old feels a little bit like thirsty would yeah. be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. But is the fish making a choice or is the fish responding exactly. in the way it was always going to respond to a stimulus? You know, John, I think that if things move toward, if, if things respond to stimuli, mm-hmm. I think that that's, you can't really call that a decision. Maybe you can, maybe you can call it wanting, just very abstractly. But that does. But seem, it's not really a choice. No. But do yeah. But like again, now we're gonna be here where I know where I know the the sort of layer on top of that is can we choose what we want as conscious beings? Yeah. And I think sometimes we can. Sometimes we can't. I'm not convinced that sometimes we can. It's the great uh, Schopenhauer quote that uh, begins my novel, Turtles All the Way Down. Man can do what he wills, but he cannot will what he wills. Yeah, it's a it's a time to be thinking a lot about that. Uh, but I don't know that we're going to come to better conclusions because it's not like we have new that much new data. I guess we have some new data, but mostly uh, we, we have, have a been, little bit of new data. We've mostly been consciousnesses aware of our own consciousness the whole time. Um, and so we are not getting like new experiences of consciousness. Like we, it's always been like this and it's always been really hard. I think to it's just, out. it's this whole situation is so weird being inside of a body. I know. It's so weird. Yeah. It's very wet. Oh God. I'm getting kind of panicky. We got to move on. All right. Well, let's try to do one that's not going to freak you out as much. This one is from Madeline, who asks, Dear Hank and John, just wondering if John has seen the dancing man with a hammerhead shark mask around Indianapolis lately. Oh, I yeah. saw him going to work, and it was quite something. Madeline. Yep. Yep. I've also seen him. <laughs> um, and here's what I'll say about it. Indianapolis, as a city, is not known for ex- its eccentricity, uh-huh. right? Like. It's just it's 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 seen as a uh, practical, you know, like Mitch Daniels called us the state that works. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> you know, but it's the state that wishes t- it worked. Is what I would. That's how I would describe it. 
And so whenever I see a proper, a properly eccentric person like that person, I'm always like, this is great. This is good. We are becoming more like a city. Like, you know, there's that guy, I think he's in Miami, who's rollerbladed on the boardwalk every day, or maybe he's out in California, who's rollerbladed on the boardwalk like every day for 67 years or something. Right, yeah. We don't have anything like that. Nobody has done anything every day for 67 (laughs) years in Indianapolis, except like wake up, brush their teeth, go to work, take care of their family, all that boring crap. Yeah. And so I'm delighted, really delighted when when, when we get a little dose of eccentricity. Maybe that should be a job. Yes. Yes. Well, I think it used to be a job, Hank. I think that, 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 you know, like in a lot of, um, in a lot of communities, the, you know, like the community eccentric yeah. Or the community uh, different person who was a little different, instead of like being cast out of the community or being seen as other, they were just like, oh, that's going to be, that person's going to have this job. They're going to be our storyteller. They're going to be our dancer. They're going to be our person who interprets the uh, the stars. You yeah. Know? We used to have a, a guy in Missoula who had very small pants and he would, he was just dancing around everywhere. Mr. Small Pants. Yeah. <laughs> we called him the dancing man was what he was called around Joey town. Joey Small Pants. <laughs> and... He, I don't know if he went somewhere or if he just sort of danced his last dance, but uh, we don't, we don't have, we have a chess champion who walks everywhere in town. He's called the That's Octopus because cool. he can win eight games at uh, at the same time. Uh, and we've That's got, very impressive. Uh, there's also a, a old Greek guy who's like in the family yeah. of the people who own the Greek restaurant and he walks everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I, there are like a couple of characters around town still, but I, I like, they're, they're aging, so we need some young ones. We yeah. need some new young walking around towners. Maybe get a unicycle. Maybe get a shark mask. I don't know. A really tall. I'm going to throw it out that like, I think you'd be great at that job. You know, I, I think like, I would too. You know, as as you get older mm-hmm. and as you start to think like, well, what does my professional look, life look like if I'm not the CEO of 17 companies simultaneously? Yeah. Maybe the answer is. I need to put on a shark mask and ride a unicycle around Missoula yeah. and bring some joy to the people. And then I'll go to the city council meetings and I'll be like, look, I can't tell you who I am, but I am definitely a resident of this town and we need more housing. So stop whining about everything. That's all I'll say. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the, Yeah. He's like, uh, it's yeah, exactly. And then Hank Green goes to all the fancy Missoula parties and- <laughs> Shark face unicycle boy um, <laughs> patrols the streets in the evening. <laughs> Anybody need any I help with anything? Is this what a shark sounds like? I think it's not what a shark sounds like. It's also um, not what a, what a bat sounds, sounds like, like, though. I will point out if Batman was trying to sound like a bat, he'd be like, I'm Batman. <laughs> Actually, he'd say, I'm Batman, but you wouldn't be able to hear him, you know? <laughs> Like the mouth would move and you'd be like, what? I'm sorry. But like two, two, two feet behind you, like a dog would be like, yeah, God, shut up. I love that idea. Oh, God. Well, he sounds idea nothing so like much. a bat. Hard science Batman. Hard science Batman. Um, hard science Batman <laughs> is not audible. Okay. You can choose Bruce Wayne. Do you want to be Bruce Wayne with the sexy voice or do you want to be Batman? Powerful, but um, nobody except for bats can hear you. I come in the night. (laughs) (laughs) Ever since my parents left me, I've been a little lonely. (laughs) But 
I'm not in touch with my emotions, so I mostly express it through physical violence. I'm just a rich guy with an affinity for bats. I'm not an actual Batman. <laughs> Great. All right, this next question comes from Libby who writes, Dear John and Hank, my roommates and I are looking for a firearm-free alternative to the phrase, sun's out, guns out. Mm. We wanted to have the same cheeky enthusiasm for revealing your biceps in the summer, <laughs> but um, we want it to be weapon-free. Okay. Any suggestions are appreciated, unarmed and unanswered, Libby? Uh, I mean, I have heard sun's out, buns out, um, for sure. Oh, that's good. But that's- I was going to say sun's out- Sun's out, mum's out, but that's sort of a, a British mom specific one. I like sun's out, buns out a lot more. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we. Sun's out, tums out kind of works. Sun's out, tums out. I once said uh, sun's out, guns out to my uh, son, and then Catherine said sun's out, mum's out, and then Oren said this was very cute. He said sun's out, sun's out. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's a good so point. Good. He's got his. This is much funnier than most of his father's dad jokes. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's think Sun's of, like, is there well, anything that rhymes with arms? Does anything rhyme with biceps? Yeah. Or arms? A muscle, words. Yeah, biceps. Yeah, well, but there's no bicep rhymes. Triceps is an obvious one. That's the big one they suggest. Triceps, <laughs> triceps, biceps. That's uh, not good. Daytime, slay time. No, that's still violent. Crap. <laughs> what about, like, uh, sun's up, fun's up? I don't know. Sun's out, buns out. It's way better Sun's than that. Blue sky. Blue sky, this guy. And then you flex, pointing at yourself with your thumbs. Blue, blue sky, blue this guy. Blue sky, this guy. Yeah. Blue sky, this guy. Yes. Blue sky. So we got blue sky, this guy. We've got sun's out, buns out. Mm-hmm. And the problem with sun's out, buns out is that it makes it sound like there's only one bun. Oh, John, wait about no. wait, 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 wait. Solar okay. power bicep hour. Oh, there we did it. Okay. Team teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> Solar power bicep hour, everybody. Um Sun's out, prance about. <laughs> it's not it's nothing to do with biceps, <laughs> but I think solar power bicep hour is we're it's done. Probably we as good it. as we're gonna get. Okay. You're welcome. I mean, that was on the far edge of what could have happened from that question. Um, 99% of the time, the best one is Sun's Out, Sun's Out, which is written by your five-year-old. <laughs> Thanks. Actually, which which reminds me, Hank, that today's podcast is brought to you by Solar Power Bicep Hour, the thrilling new renewable energy alternative to Sun's Out, Guns Out. <laughs> I think we that went remarkably well. This podcast is also brought to you by a probably thirsty fish. A probably thirsty mm-hmm. fish. It is in the wrong salinity and is being physiologically pushed toward doing something about it. And is that a choice? We don't. We'll never know. The world will never know. And of course, today's podcast is brought to you by Hard Science Batman. Hard Science Batman. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says when, he's, when he runs away. Like, uh, like Commissioner Gordon doesn't know where he is. And he's like, where did he go? But he hears like, I can still hear him. <laughs> yeah, he's got to echolocate. You yeah. know, how else is he going to figure out where he is in space? How is he going to drive that Batmobile? 
Yep. And this podcast is brought to you by a spaceship that has gone halfway in the wrong direction. Everybody going to die on that spaceship. Well, everybody's going to die everywhere. It's just everybody on that spaceship's going to die sooner. <laughs> this episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt. I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. So listen, your toilet is massively gross, like it's grosser than you think. In fact, bacteria and viruses can hang around in the toilet bowl even after multiple flushes. And I recently found the easiest way to clean my toilet, Blue Land's Sustainable Toilet Cleaner Tablets. Just drop, watch it fizz, brush, and flush. It is truly that simple. No more scrubbing for hours. Plus, the tablets are plastic-free. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blue Land products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Well, Hank, since we've been talking a lot about consciousness, how about this question from Hannah, who writes, Dear John and Hank, how worried should we be about artificial intelligence? Like, sometimes it feels like a nightmare dystopia situation, but other times it's kind of buggy and stupid. (laughs) I want to believe nothing bad will happen, but isn't that how all horror movies about exactly this topic start? How actually realistic is an AI-fueled collapse of society, pumpkins and penguins? Hannah. I think that people... So here's broadly... I've seen a lot of uh, just just uh, complete steaming piles of poo, uninteresting things be celebrated by the tech world in the last uh, 10 years, where it, it just felt a lot like somebody was like, man, we made the iPhone and then we did the social internet and, th- and, and something's next. 
Uh, so maybe it's this thing. And it's just like, obviously wasn't like from my perspective, it was like, that's not going to be the thing. You're not understanding. I have no idea what you're referring to. But this definitely seems like a thing. It seems like a thing. So there's like the the worries around, I can see directly how this could be useful for people in ways that might change the shape of society. And then there's the, I can see how this could be used by bad people who want to do bad things. And then there's the, when something like this happens, we are bad at predicting what's going to happen with it and what it means. Right. And also, and then there's also the, this seems to be getting better very fast. What does that mean? And where is that going to go? And that last one is the one that I'm least comfortable with because like lots of people seem to have very different opinions on whether you should even use the word intelligent and all of these things are, they're just tools. It's like saying that a car is smart because it can run faster than a person almost. But other people who also seem to know what they're talking about are like, we are very close to that being as good at everything cognitive as a person. And that is a to- right. that's a totally wild thought. But I I do think that it's going to change stuff really fast. And I think that we uh I think that it, they are they are compared to what they're going to be they're relatively uh you know not they're not as powerful as they're going to be. So now is kind of the right time to be thinking about it from a regulatory perspective and also from a society perspective. We really didn't do that when it came to the, the, the like many to many nature of the internet. Like the regulations around the internet have always we been. We didn't do it with the phone either. We did, right? Yeah, like, or with the you know, if, if you we ended up regulating books and radio pretty well, but it took a long time. It took a long time, and they didn't change very fast. So yeah, yeah. it was possible. Yeah, I I agree with you that any predictive take is is kind of inherently bad. Like some of those prediction will predictions will end up being true and some of those predictions won't end up being true but the ones that end up being true are are not necessarily going to be true because they were like better right. yeah. observed or argued just because a they lot of predictions be are being made of, exactly but because of chance mostly yeah and so i i don't i i think anybody who's speaking with a great deal of confidence about artificial intelligence even if they're an expert uh should be discounted a little bit yeah and i think the the people I've seen with the most expertise are speaking a lot of times with the least confidence, which is what I want. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, that said, I agree with you that it's a huge deal. Like, yeah. it's it it. But if you look back at what we thought were going to be the problems that came from smartphones, right? Like, I mean, you could th- think about think about the wonderful things that smartphones have given us. Uh, they, they have dramatically reduced the number of people who 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 die from accidents mm-hmm. because they can now contact emergency people. They have, on the other hand, increased the number of people who die as a result of distracted driving. Yeah. They have, uh, you know, made it so that uh, we can, uh, you know, communicate more efficiently across time. I mean, they've made it so that we can communicate more efficiently across space, which is amazing. It means that people can be in touch with their family members in a way that was impossible 10 or 20 years ago. Like, I remember when I was dating my college girlfriend, it cost us 10 cents a minute to talk on the phone, right? In that sense, things are much better. However, they have also made it 
so that we have these sort of adult pacifiers with us at all times <laughs> that I, I am not convinced is great for our brains. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like good, we, good part. But, but we didn't know any of that when we started out. Right. Right. Like in 2006 or 2007, like we started our, our YouTube channel before the iPhone came out. Mm-hmm. And when the iPhone came out, I remember people being like, this is going to change everything. And they were right, but they were totally wrong about what it was going to change. Yeah. So, and and I think it's really, with something big like this, I think it's almost more important to like dissect the kinds of things that we're looking at just to have like a, like a landscape of how things might change and think about right. them in, in sort of silos um, where there's like, there's yeah. bad actors and then there's like, how does it change the economy? And then there's like, ha- like as it ramps up and gets much better, you know, that that's like the big mystery land. Um, because yeah. I think that like- How does it change like, education? How yeah. does it change healthcare? And how I does think it, it change our relationship with ourselves and our understanding of consciousness? Like yeah. you said earlier that we don't have any new data points about consciousness, but we are getting some, or at least we're being asked to think about them in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think that- uh, I, I heard- I it, think it's a big deal. I heard a great point the other day that like humans um, sort of defined their humanness by- uh, how good they were at more complex and challenging cognitive tasks right up until the moment when 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 it seemed quite clear that computers were going to be good at that. And now we're like, but those aren't those aren't like no, people. It's really feelings. Because it's, it's because the they don't because it's about feelings. And then it's like so it's the capacity dogs for love. Like the what about yeah. the Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'd actually much prefer dogs to be conscious than um a programmable artificial. Well, it also seems much more likely to me. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Although on the other, I mean, it depends on, I, I think what I it really what asks it us to do is the same thing that we're asked to do over and over again, which is to uh, take these things that we've imagined as dichotomies and instead understand them as spectral. And so it used to yeah. be that we thought that consciousness was on and off it used to be that we thought being a mammal was on and off, mm-hmm. and it turns out that it's a spectrum. Yeah. Even being a human, we thought, was on and off, and it turns out that, like, no, there have been a bunch of human species, yeah. and parts of some of them are still with us. It's very true. What a wild time to be whatever it is we are. <laughs> this next question comes from Darren, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I am in the heart of Michigan, and whenever spring break comes around, everyone just happily makes their way to some beach in Florida. So this sparked a question in my head. Uh, where do Floridians go on spring break? Do they just uh, go to the motel on the other side of town, or do they swap places with the northerners? I can't really think of a sign-off. Darren. You know, I used to live in Florida, and uh, and I don't know if we're allowed to tell you what we do on spring break. Like, if you live in Florida, everyone knows what you do on spring break. But I feel like once you leave, you have to – like, it's a secret when you're there for sure. But I think, like, even once you leave, you have to continue keeping it a secret. Like, yeah, that's correct. It's it's private. Yeah. So – It's – um yeah, it's not really for Michiganders to know. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, oh, wow. The best. I can't. Oof. Yeah. People often say that living in Florida sucks, and that is correct. Yeah. But man, one week one a week year. One week a year. When the, like, the way Florida does spring break, which is a secret. Oof. Oh, God. Uh, it's really good for your feet, too. Yeah. It's my, my gosh. I, yeah. Your feet feel so much better afterward. 
Everything does. I just, I mean, it's almost like you're, it's almost like all of your bodily pains go away. Like you're not even totally in yeah, a body. Yeah, actually one, this is wild. One year after spring break, I got home and I needed to go back to the optometrist because my vision got better. Yeah. That's very common. Yeah, that's why there's so many optometrists like, in Florida. Because they like you have that's to why get there's more. no LASIK surgery in Florida. They don't need it. Yeah. Until um, you get out of like the spring break cycle, because I do know some older Floridians who just don't go on spring break anymore. And then mm, I'm like, why do yeah. you live there then? Yeah, you gotta like, go. Why'd you stay? Yeah. Just get go move to Indianapolis or Missoula or something like a regular person. Yeah. It's really cool. You're one not of my the benefit of Florida spring break. There's no reason. One of my favorite things about Florida spring break is that if you're on spring break in yeah. Florida as a Floridian, you can get a tattoo. But yeah. then when spring break ends, the tattoo goes away. Goes away. So yeah. cool. It's temporary. T- I mean, but it's not a temporary no, tattoo. No, it's a real tattoo. It's a tattoo. Yeah. But then like you go to school on Monday after spring break, mm-hmm. you wake up and it's gone. But it only, sh- but it does show up under the blacklight. I went full post Malone and you can still see it under blacklight. Mm-hmm. Like I've got like three or four face tattoos. I don't even know how many, um, but they're really subtle and they're just, they're kind of like, yeah, um, it looks so almost, cool. Yeah. They look like kind of almost like white line drawings mm-hmm. or something underneath your skin. It's really it's super awesome. sensible face tattoo. Yeah. Kind of have a sparkle yeah. to it. Yeah. Do you have any that say anything or is it just like figures? I I did a lot of like, um, there's supposed to be six, shapes that you can see uh without any visual information like without any light um oh interesting that are sort of like in intrinsic to the human eye mm-hmm. like some of them are structural like right. you see eye structures and so i did all six of those shapes one of them is sort of spirally one of them is like the sort of splintering of of roots or veins or whatever yeah I've, i did those six shapes i've got i got two one on each bicep and one that says solar power and the other yeah. says bicep power Oh, that's I love yeah. that. That's brilliant. Yeah. I actually have all of Emily Dickinson's um, "Hope Is the Thing with Feathers" tattooed oh. across my back. Oh God, I forgot that I did all of Lord of the Rings on my leg. Oh yeah, because they can get real small. Yeah, it's a special thing. No, it's part of you know, it's part of because you're yeah. you know you you get so big, it's actually not that hard during Florida spring break. Like your body. Is hundreds of times bigger than it yeah, currently that's part is. Of the, you can't so tell is, people that. Oh God, I'm sorry. I think sorry. that's part of the I'm thing. Sorry. I'm I sorry. think that's part of the thing you're not supposed to tell people about. Oh, I, I, it's I don't not know the whole where the thing. line is because I. Well, you told them the tattoo thing, and I thought that was I private did. too. Yeah, I. Well, and, and then we started right. talking we, about the tattoos. We, we need to stop talking. We, about yeah, this. we, we could get we in big trouble with the ex Floridian council, and you do not want to mess with those people. God. They will ban your books. They will. I mean. They- <laughs> They will ban your books and they can also make one toe disappear every day for the rest of your life Yeah, from your body. Yeah. Yeah. Which you would think would be over after 10 days, but not, not the way they do it. It's not. It's so strange. No, it's forever. <laughs> this next question. I had, a lot of, I had a lot of fun with you there. Um, this next question comes from Jillian who writes, Dear John and Hank, if I remember correctly, before COVID, we were aware that we were due for a big sickness and a virus was probable. But what do we think the next one will be? Is a fungal infection capable of causing oh, an apocalyptic gosh. type scenario? Is there another vector for disease besides those and viruses and bacteria? Just trying to prepare Jillian and or Gillian. Um, yeah. Well, first off, <laughs> we don't know when the next one, we don't know when the next one will be. Jillian, I, la- right? I, I, like, thought, I thought for a second that you were just going to say, yeah, and then move on. Because yeah, <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of the answer. Other. Yeah. There are some other ways that it could happen. Here's the thing, Jillian. First off, like, 
um, this was not an apocalyptically bad no. yeah. disease pandemic, unfortunately. Bad. It was very bad. And obviously it was extremely uh, like destructive to the social order and, and caused millions of people to die and tens of millions of people to grieve and I don't want to minimize COVID in any way, but like it's it's nothing like the the Black Death when fifty percent of all humans in in Europe and parts of Asia and North Africa died within a four year period. It's nothing like even the flu of nineteen eighteen, where you know probably around a hundred million people died within twenty four months. And so this is a pandemic, but it's like nowhere near the worst version of a pandemic. And we do not know when the next one will be. Yeah, right. Like there is there's there was a chance. That 10 or 15 years ago, the SARS epidemic that emerged could have become a global pandemic if we hadn't gotten it under control or uh, if it had been slightly better at um, at transmission or we'd allowed it enough time to get good at transmission as we did with COVID. And so it's not like, oh, these things happen every 100 years. It's like these things happen when they happen. Is that fair to say, Hank? Yes, absolutely. And the the other worry is like is there something out there that's worse than viruses and 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 bacteria which are our main concerns and i think that there is like narratively it's interesting to say okay but what about the other things because of course there are fungal infections different thing like we're full of great uh tasty stuff you know um and i get that we we so we are full like we're a good environment for a lot of things to live inside yeah. of if we didn't have an immune system like that it, we'd just be food right so so we have that and things are trying to you know are evolving toward being good at taking advantage of the the sort of nutrient rich environment of our bodies but Virus and bacteria are the things that have been the best at that, and they are going to keep being the things that are the best at that. And so I like. Oh, they've been so good at it for so long. Yeah, and and there are. I think I don't know if there's like reasons why funguses are a little bit worse at. uh, Obviously, funguses can infect people and do, um, but they, they seem to be a little bit worse at it. So I think probably they will remain a little bit worse at it. But you know, knock on wood. Yeah, I mean, we just we cannot predict the future. Yeah. That's that's exactly but correct. But what we can do, what we can definitely do is make the next pandemic less bad and make it more likely that the next epidemic doesn't become a pandemic. And the way that we do that is we get better at identifying novel diseases early and we have better, stronger healthcare systems in the places where those novel diseases are most likely to emerge, which tend to be poor and middle-income countries. And every dollar that we invest in a healthcare system is a dollar that we are investing in our shared human future. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's infuriating, infuriating to me that despite the obvious and profound global interconnection of all people, we act as if some communities deserve a healthcare system and others don't. And like there will never be any consequ- any any global yeah. consequences to to that expression of injustice. Yeah, yeah, and and also that we have a really good reason right now to be thinking about how to strengthen healthcare systems everywhere, and also be very conscious of how uh, pandemics start and spread. And we have a bunch of new data on how that works that we didn't have before, and that's good. 
Uh, and we should be using yeah. that to have early warning systems for these things. And there should be a lot of resources that go toward it because we see how much it costs us. It is expensive in every way to have a pandemic. So why not try to have fewer of them? <laughs> Seems like a pretty whatever. I'm tired of making that argument. I just want to tell you this, Hank. Um, do you know how long humans have had tuberculosis? Has it been the whole time? Not only has it been the whole time, also we had tuberculosis before we were us. Yeah. You know, that's also so, true of Homo lice. Erectus, Homo erectus had tuberculosis. They also had lice. And we have chosen, and so we had to live with this disease, we being hominids, for 500,000 years. Mm. Wow. And then for about 60 years, we've chosen to have this disease. And that yeah. is a very interesting choice. So interesting that it makes me wonder are we in fact making a choice? <laughs> well, I, or, I mean, or are we just doing what seems obvious to us, which is to invest resources in diseases that affect? Uh, the rich world and right. not diseases that infect other worlds. Well, I mean, it, so this is a very interesting distinction and a, and a, and a sort of supposition you've made, which is that we make a choice, and uh, and so are we as humanity. Can humanity make a decision, or is because I kind of think it is. I think that we are a I, collective I think it species, can. and and I think it can. And, but in that way, like no one thinks that humanity is conscious. We think that humans are conscious, right? But right, but we it, should maybe if, start thinking about if you sort of like saw if you really sort of stepped back and you saw like the mm -hmm. way that humanity acts upon Earth in the same way that you might see an artificial intelligence. I think it might be kind of hard to not ascribe consciousness to that entity. Yeah, if you zoom so. even 10,000 feet up, right, you don't know the names of any individuals. Like if you're looking down at us and we're just like you're like in a plane 10,000 feet above Earth and that's the only interaction you have with humans. I don't know that you would conclude that each of them is an individual or like would have a name. I think you might conclude instead, look at all these people working together mm -hmm. and look like there's that there's the ant that has that job and there's the ant that has that job. Yeah. And I kind of find it helpful to think about us that way. Because when I stop thinking, like, when I start to realize that, like, we don't know the names of anybody who lived before 6,000 years ago. We don't even know for sure if they ha had names mm -hmm. 8,000 years ago, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, then, like, my name or, like, what I do is not nearly as important as um, playing, you know, being part of the connective tissue which is the really interesting work and, and opportunity of being a person. Right. But it's very hard to see it that way. Very hard on because, a minute-by-minute minute basis. Because we are, we are ultimately, like, you have to be taught about all of that because otherwise, like, the experience all, all comes out of these two eyeballs, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think that humanity is conscious. I think that individual humans are conscious, but, like, what, how do I know? Well, Hank, speaking of beautiful, sprawling collaborations- how about AFC Wimbledon? The fans club. Yeah. Owned by its fans. Mm -hmm. Borrowed 10 million pounds from its fans to build a beautiful world-class stadium in South London. Yeah. And uh, really, really, really need, not want, need 
to stay in the football league. Yeah. Uh, in order to not have like a proper crisis. <laughs> and how's it going? We're we're bad. Yeah, we're, all, we're aren't like all bad. your people injured right now? We do have probably a stronger injured starting eleven than a than a than a current healthy starting eleven, but we just lost to the worst team in League Two at home at Plow Lane. We lost to Rochdale or possibly Rochdale. Only the scientists know for sure. Mm-hmm. And we were so bad; it was awful. The only thing we've got going for us is that there's seven games left in the League Two season, and we are currently 11 points clear of relegation. Surely, surely, we should be okay. But we are bad. Ugh. Do you want a game, though? You beat it. You beat, well, last week, we talked about how you beat a team that was better than you on the standings. Yeah, Walsall. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Ollie, yeah, thanks to Ali Alhamidi and Will Nightingale, who I would argue are not just our stars of the season. They're kind of, uh, they're sort of the only real standouts right now. Um, that, that are playing. Like, there have been times when I've been like, you remember when I played middle school soccer? I'm sure I've told the story to you a million times. And the coach let me start one game, even though I was terrible. And I was like, this is amazing. This is my big chance. I finally made it as a soccer player. Mm-hmm. And then at halftime, the um, coach was yelling at all the players and he said, you know why I let Green start? Because at least he tries. <laughs> and I was, I realized that I'd just been used as a motivational tool oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> rather, yeah. rather than uh-huh. as a soccer player. Uh-huh. Um, there have been a couple of games where I felt that way about Will Nightingale and Ali Alhamdi. Like, they're trying. And I'm, I, I'm sure everybody's trying. It's just so frustrating right now. Um, it's been really difficult. Ali Alhamdi, who joined us in January, is an ama- he's 20 years old. He's an Iraqi refugee who came to the United Kingdom via Jordan after his family had to escape because his father was in prison for protesting Saddam Hussein's regime. And he is a star. He's an awesome guy. He's gotten so involved in the community. He understands the values of Wimbledon. He's amazing. Like, I'm kind of in love with him. Mm-hmm. I, he's, he's probably the first person I think about when I wake up most mornings. <laughs> and then you've got Will Nightingale, who's been playing for us since he was seven years old and who is now 27 and, you know, has a real chance of being one of the only one club players in all of English football. He's just, it feels like he was made for us and we were made for him. So, you know, we're two elevenths of the way there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We got a lot of other other great players. It's just a bunch of them are going to leave this summer. Yeah. Um, A bunch of them are going to go to bigger clubs. A bunch of them are going to be out of contract. We've, we've got a real task ahead of us. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do for you. Uh, it Me sounds neither. like it's awful hard out. to run a soccer team unless you are Ryan Reynolds. And then it's just all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i really enjoyed rooting for Wrexham. Um, when they come to League Two, as it appears they will, I will <laughs> live in terror. I, I, They're going to tear through it. 
It's going to be like, they're, goodbye, everybody. Hey, On our way they up. Really, they're going to be a one season, one season wonder in League Two, that's for darn sure. Um, I wish them all the luck uh, in the Premier League because that's where they're headed. Jeez. Is that the first one? Is that the top one, the Premier League? Yeah. I think it's great that you I think it's great that you know much more about League Two than you know about the Premier League. You're like <laughs> Manchester United, I've heard of them, but they're no Gillingham. I was at a oh man, I don't know where I was, but the They're no Hartlepool. Yeah. Somebody uh, somebody recently said, like, uh you won't have heard of the soccer club that I root for. And I was like, I probably will have. <laughs> Try me. Try me. <laughs> My brother roots for AFC Wimbledon and he and he was a British guy and he was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, what was that guy's team? Uh, it was one of the ones I've heard of, Manchester United or something. Like literally a Premier League team. It's like some. Oh, it was like you want to heard of the team. team I support. Yeah, they're called Chelsea, yeah. and you're like, I've heard of Chelsea. Yeah. I've heard of Chelsea. Do you know of their South London rivals, AFC Wimbledon? <laughs> they're coming up. Well, uh, not at the moment. Yeah, one nil up to oh, two you, one hey. down. That's the way we have a frown. That's. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, but get, hey, guess who is, uh, guess who uh, might be uh, headed our way? I don't know what that means. Down to uh, League Two next season. Oh, uh, the, the, the franchise currently plying its trade in Milton Keynes? Yep. They're right on the, they're right on the edge. All right. They're right All on right. the edge. We just need a couple. We need, they had a couple good games. We just need them to collapse at the end of the season because they don't have any courage or heart, which seems inevitable. Well, in Mars news this week, uh, good news for fans of Mars and offices. NASA has set up the Moon to Mars program office. So if you like yourself some bureaucracy and some getting to Mars, this is time for you. So NASA's been working on various missions to the moon, including Artemis 1, which launched last year. It's also upcoming Artemis 2, which is planning to send four astronauts to the moon at the end of 2024. This is real, and it's happening. Uh, and Artemis Three—they're actually, I think, today, uh, as we're recording this, they're announcing the crew that's going to be on that mission. So, wow, wow. Um, and then uh, Artemis Three—the goal of that is to explore potential lunar water ice by the end of 2025. These Artemis missions are part of a bigger plan to hopefully send people to Mars by the late 2030s or early 2040s, which is why this new mm-hmm. moon seems to- a little late. <laughs> seems a little late. <laughs> Which is why this fat lot of good that's going to do you when this podcast is named Dear John and Hank and you're 70 years old. Yeah, we'll say it enough and it starts to sound normal and I'll be okay. Um, I think we should name it Dear Hank and John again. Yeah. If we ever put people on Mars. Oh, come back. That'll be amazing. Yeah. We'll be like so old and we'll be like, Elon, why have you abandoned us? (laughs) You know, I haven't heard Elon talk about going to Mars in 2027. He seems preoccupied. (laughs) Like as bad as that's as bad as that whole thing's been for society, it's been really good for my bet with you (laughs) about whether there will be humans on Mars by 2027. So this office is going to help with various aspects of the Artemis missions, including the spacecraft and spacesuits and Gateway, a small space station that will orbit the moon. And as the office, the office is also going to be uh, involved in planning further out projects to make humans on Mars possible. What a time to be whatever it is we are. humans or whatever we are coming to Mars (laughs) soon. John, thank you for making a podcast with me. I think that it was maybe some of our best work. Well, we went everywhere. We went everywhere. It wasn't as good as the one about the chipmunks. 
I don't even remember that one. Where the heck did my notes remember? go? Remember, we got really into the creator of the chipmunks. We went, oh, went way far down a rabbit right. hole. <laughs> Ross, Ross Bagdosian, something like that. Yeah. The fourth. All right, let's r- roll the credits, Hank. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tunamedish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Brooke Shotwell. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarty. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.